Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, guys, this is uh, the very first Game School online podcast, and we brought the very best level designer in the entire world to join us. And who's us, by the way? That is obviously Mr. Ben Fan. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode, our very first episode. And we are going to dive in deep about level design and specifically two levels uh, from Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Rosie, yes. how are you doing? I'm good, guys. Hi. Hey, Rosie. So, like I said, we have the very best level designer in the entire world here with us today. Oh, Rosie boy. Katz. She shipped multiple levels for the Call of Duty series, but two specifically that we're going to be going over today. And uh, we want to talk to you about your experiences, about where you get your ideas, and things that can help us become designers such as yourself. Like, I need help, Rosie. Help me, help me. <laughs> um, well, uh, so I don't know where to start. That was a pretty big question there. No, it's, it's kind of like a, more of an introduction than the question, but like, I just yeah. say hi to the audience. <laughs> Hello, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've been designing for since... 2005, 2006, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really lucked out and I got Dead Space as my first design gig, which was a super good trial by fire learning experience. Um, and then I moved on to Call of Duty right after that. So I've been lucky to have like two good games, you know. So you went franchises. from not a designer to designing on Dead Space to designing on Call of Duty. Yeah, basically. (laughs) That is the yellow brick road of design careers right there. Yeah, and I don't know how it happened. Like, it's just complete, like, in the right place at the right time, Uh, you know, and and my skills. Yes, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) So um, what was the first map that you got to design for the Call of Duty? Actually, no, let's start with Dead Space. What was the first, real quick, I guess, Dead Space map that you worked on? Um, yeah, so they brought me on because they were doing their, like, green light demo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, they called it a V-slice, visual slice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically one one portion of a level. Like, it was kind of like a level cut down to its coolest moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was Chapter 3. Okay. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that was a really long time ago. I don't know how many people remember, but there's like a giant centrifuge in, in the map. And, um, you know, it was the first time they were showing zombies and mm-hmm. well, necromorphs. Um, and so, yeah, they tried to keep it to just like the big moment of like the dragging tentacle that drags you across this hallway. Yeah. yeah and you're shooting, that. trying to shoot it before you get to the end. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so it was short and sweet and it was pretty amazing to work on. Um, yeah. And it was, when I came on, it was just me and one other designer. Um, and then they had another designer who became the manager basically right when I came on. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was basically super junior level and they were, I had a mentor and we just 
worked our butts off on that V slice. Um, and I was, I was brought on because I knew the tools and they hadn't adopted them yet. So even though I didn't know design, I was kind of, it was like a give and take. I was learning design and they were, they were taking all my knowledge of the engine. Okay. So yeah, I trained a lot of people on the engine, even though, you know, I was super junior level. Right. Uh, like one of my first questions before we go into uh, to look at Defender, one of your uh, maps that you made uh, in Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, mm-hmm. we, we have a lot of students watching or listening. And the biggest question has always been, if I want to be a designer, right, coming from right. school, that doesn't really necessarily focus on design. It's just a path that I chose uh, while going through this circus of an art <laughs> school. Uh, what is your number one advice uh, in today's age? Oh. Definitely. Because it seems like he kind of went a full circle around before reaching to yeah. design. Yeah, yeah. I mean, number one is to get experience. Like, no place is going to hire you without experience. And even though you're coming out of school, you can use your student work and you can use your, like, if you have, like, a game club where you're making a game outside of school, you know, with a group of people, use that and just pretend like it's legit. Um that's my number one because, like, that's that's basically how I got in mm. is I had a demo of, like, a game that we had worked on as a group. And so it looked like I made games, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's my number one. I mean, and when I was in school, we didn't have – it was very new. And so I was just, like, my last year, like, last-ditch effort, I joined I, – I joined an extracurricular game club, you know, part of the college, but kind of outside. And, um, and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely like a last minute. Oh crap. I want to get a job in the game industry. Like I'm going to join this club. Mm. So it's never too late. Well, I mean, it definitely is sound advice. If you want to be a designer to design levels and not focus so much on modeling or any other disciplines. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a no brainer, I guess now, but at the time when I was in college, it was so like games, there were no game schools really, you know, um, I guess there were, but I didn't know about them. What were were your editor options at that time? You know what I mean? That's what I want to know. Like, if you guys are making a game like right now, you have Unreal Four. You know, you've got Unity, you've got Crytek, oh, you've got yeah. Lumberyard. Right, right. Game yeah, quality, um, we had Unreal. Okay. Back then, so that's what we used. Uh, I think it was Unreal Four. Well, you had Unreal Four. Wait, wait, no. <laughs> it was my <laughs> something smells funny here. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was like super old Unreal. Okay. I don't remember. Like it's Unreal Two, more like probably. Yeah. Yeah, had, that's had right. It War- was Maya Four. I remember okay, that. Maya Four. If it was Maya Four, then it was definitely Unreal Two at the at the latest. Yeah, Unreal Two ish. Yeah. yeah, I want to say Unreal Two Point Five is ringing a bell. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, yeah, because I I don't think Unreal One was usable. I don't even remember Unreal One. <laughs> uh, well, you could use it to make levels for Unreal Tournament. Right. Uh, it wasn't yeah. meant for other uh, yeah, studios Unreal, to use. Yeah, no. Unreal Two was when the consumer was able to the regular folks yeah anyway all right i was just wondering because i was like you know today there's so many options for students who want to make totally you know so yeah yeah but i mean it doesn't really it's not important that it's the latest and greatest like you know most um 
beautiful thing in the world. It just matters that you get your idea across yeah. and like, and you, and you have something to show your skill, whatever, right. you know, it doesn't have to look pretty or. Right. So, all right, before we go into your, um, behind the scene process of making Defender, uh, yeah. for Call of Duty, uh, there was a question by one of our Twitch viewers, which is, uh, do you recommend group projects or show more independent work? And also, uh, do portfolio pieces have to be in 3D or 2D design? Like, what would you... Oh, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, well, I would... I mean, there's really no right or wrong answer to that stuff. But um, I would say if you if you aren't strong as an individual definitely use your group projects um i in general i would prefer like if i were hiring someone i would prefer to see the group project anyway just because and it's as long as you explain what you did in it but it just shows that you can work with other people which is super important yeah um but if you feel super passionate about something and you can't get people on board you can't actually get something made as a group then do it on your own. Like, do whatever it takes to have an end product, you know? Right. That's that's my my opinion. So kind of like a follow-up question is, yeah. maybe to both of you, since you guys are both designers and I'm the artist, <laughs> uh, how, how important is it to show preparation, even for uh, a level that you made in whatever engine, as part of your resume? I'll let Rosie go first. Oh, unless, you want me to go unless, first? Do you need me to step in? And um, so well, we I guess um, we Sledgehammer recently hired someone like straight out of school, and he did not have um, like two D maps. I don't think. Um, what he did have was videos of his projects, and then he also had um, scripts. So. He had coding on his website, yeah. like actual code just shown, you know, um, and then an explanation of what the code did. So I don't think that I think it's cool. Like, I think it's a bonus to see the process, but I think it's more important to see the end product. Yeah. Right. So it just only helps. <laughs> yeah. 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 I will say me personally, like, I don't mind looking at somebody's 2D top down maps. Uh, I have very little reason to believe that like the final the final product will be exactly like that, but it's good to see like your thought processes even in the beginning stages. You know what I mean? Like, and then also just knowing that you even plan out your areas very well, you know, before you even get into the 3D, because it saves a lot of time and money if you can identify problematic things that early in the process. So me personally, I do like to see that kind of stuff, uh, but I don't like to see like un like un- unprofessional like really shitty. You know, like, <laughs> excuse my language, but you know what I mean? Like a napkin drawing that just looks like, oh, yeah. man, this isn't like, I don't feel like I'm looking top down on your map. I feel like I'm looking at like a kindergartner's, you know, version yeah. of a castle, you know, like <laughs> even your 2D Yeah, map, like there's no need, there's no need to scan in your napkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> even part your, of the, it's a style, guys. No, no, your, your 2D map should be as much like a blueprint as possible, in my opinion, if you're going to show it. You know, show that you are professional in everything that you do and the 2D map and your block out and your, you know, your final. But more, most likely, I would only want to see your 3D and then your 2D map. I probably wouldn't care too much about your block out. 
but I would love to see your final product and then, you know, your original idea, like 2D map for it. So that's my personal. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. So one more question before we go right into the, the meat of the program here. Uh, Rosie, do you recommend, like, uh, students or, or people who are, who are learning level design to still look at existing levels for their favorite game? Or oh, something, yeah. And try to recreate it as a, a good practice or maybe a portfolio piece. Oh, like one for one recreate it? Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm not a fan of that personally. I feel like you it stunts your creativity and you end up just trying to copy and you put so much into that that you can't think of your own ideas. Um, that's just me personally. Mm. I don't know. But maybe perhaps for practice, but never to show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, um, like one good thing I, I would do is take something that exists and then modify it. So like if you have access to, to the code of some level, take it and like mod it, like modding is super good practice. And, and even when you show it, it's good to show too, I think. So. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So going to Defender. Right. This yes. is just one of many levels that you helped create in uh, multiplayer uh, in Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Can you walk us through from day one what that process is like? Uh, explain to me like I'm a five-year-old or an artist who's been in the industry for a long time <laughs> and have no idea what you guys do. Okay. Um, well, so I'll try to make it how it sh like really kind of should have been. Um, so because Defender was one of the first levels we did, like coming on to multiplayer, um, there was a lot of like kind of what I would say is like wasted time and money because we changed a lot of things as we w went through, you know, the the dev cycle. So um, the first thing that we did, though, and this is universal, is um, we always would start with a theme um, mostly because it would inform everything. It informed art. Um, so while I was working on design, if I had a theme, the artist could also kind of start to come up with stuff and work at the same time. Um, so yeah, theme is number one. And for Defender, um, I had been hiking up like near San Francisco and I was super into this. Um, and it's, it was an abandoned uh, missile base type place. Right. Um, and so that was the inspiration for the theme is like, I really wanted it to seem like there's graffiti everywhere. And like, initially it was the artistic, like aesthetics that I was drawn to mm -hmm. for the theme. And then, um, and then design wise, I kind of riffed off the idea of what if we had a central weapon in the map that you could see from anywhere and was like this big icon. Um, and so that's where we came up with the idea for the laser air defense um, map score streak. Right. Um, at the time when we designed it, we didn't really know what the map score streaks were going to be yet, like as a system. Mm -hmm. So I had planned that you would turn it on and off in the map. Um, so there was like a switch located in that center room. Um, or the on switch was in that center room and then the off switch was somewhere else. Right, right. So um, we were playing with the idea that you could use that as a way to get people to get to a location in the map, um, like a focus for the map. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it started off as very different than it ended up. 
So design wise, we started off with, um, we wanted to do like a S shape to the center lane. Um, and then we realized after play tests that that was a horrible idea. And so we completely redid it and made it three lanes, just like typical, you know, call of duty map. Mm -hmm. Um, and I actually, when we made that change, I just started a whole new map, but kept the same theme and, um, I take took my prototype of the laser air defense system and moved it into the new map and you know um, and then initially I also thought that it would be more like abandoned World War II buildings mm-hmm. um, and then when I started working with the artist um, and the art director we kind of decided that we could build the whole map based on um, kind of like one central building rather than having Um, like I had a bunch of warehouses kind of all over. Mm -hmm. Um, so what happened was the artist actually drew out what he was thinking in like a 3d, like it was, um, he drew it on paper, but it was, it wasn't a top down view. It was just kind of this like concept piece. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, based on that concept piece, I redid my whole design. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's pretty rare. (laughs) Usually the designer is coming up with it from the beginning and then concept works kind of with that around that. Um, But because um, because he was such an awesome artist to work with and um, and because we were so small of a group and kind of had the time to go back and forth and riff off each other, um, I was able to to base like loop back around like I made the map made the design and then then the concept came and then I changed my design which that doesn't happen very often so mm. anyway well it sounds like it's a very collaborative process um but it also sounds like you you weren't given a, a mandate of any kind was there no. any sets of limitations from creative director to you or um and- in the beginning there was that that direction to have it be s-shaped um that was really the only design limitation, you know, the only design direction. Um, and then also we needed to have a map, uh, map score streak, which at the time we wasn't really defined yet. So that was the, the only two things. And then, and then I had my theme that I was driving for with this abandoned, um, abandoned missile, missile base place. So, yeah. Um, it was we're lucky because it was so early on in the project that there weren't a lot of eyes on it yet and we right. were just kind of riffing and playing you know so for, yeah how long was that process to <laughs> well not from from beginning to finish but more like from beginning to where uh at least a rough look of where it ended up being like what how how long was that period um, okay, so with Defender, now this is totally not how it normally is. Right. Um, I would say there was like a good six months mm. of just riffing off and playing around. <laughs> and it's just because we were so early on mm. with MP and we were learning and figuring it out, you know? Right. Um so, yeah, and we had, there were two other designers making maps. So in the beginning, we only had three maps. Each of okay. us had a map. And then once we kind of figured out our our juju and got it going, then we started just pumping out maps. Right. So, yeah. Were the, uh, what, 
how many levels uh, was multiplayer? Like this was oh, probably man. the third, fourth level that we worked on uh, that you guys worked on. I um, guess. Well, okay, so I would say Defender was the first round of levels mm. that we worked on, but we had a couple levels that we had worked on previously um, that we're gonna we were trying to do for DLC for Modern Warfare Three. All right. Um, and then we ended up not shipping those and we took those and, and tried to upgrade them, um, for advanced warfare. But, uh, yeah, so technically it was like in the first round, although we had some other ones that we were working on from before, if that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, so this kind of, you brought up a pretty interesting point. So designing levels from MW3. Yeah, and if you've played Advanced Warfare, it's quite different. <laughs> yeah. So how was that with the? I mean, it's a pretty new introduction to Call of Duty World of the, the boost, the boost jump. and the yeah. EXO and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's a long story. Or I'll try to make it short. So um, boost jump was something we were playing around with on single player. Um, I actually prototyped boost jump on single player before I went over to MP. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I first came on to MP, I was kind of like, hey, maybe we should um, play around with boost jump in MP. Because the map that I, that um, at, well, actually an artist made a map for me um, for the prototype. And the way he made it was very good for MP, I thought. And so I really, like, way back then I was like, oh, I really want to bring this over to MP and, like, see how it would play. But when I first came on to MP, we were so focused on staying true to Call of Duty MP, mm-hmm. and we were worried that that um, Boost Jump would break things. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we were pretty conservative, and we actually didn't bring Boost Jump on until very late in the project. Right. Um, so for the whole, pretty much most of the design, or most of the work on Defender, I designed it without Boost. Right. at all um and then we got boost in and it was kind of like okay well now that we can like what rules are we going to make up like can the player go everywhere you know and that was a really rough time in development i think um mm-hmm. everyone struggled with that because there were a lot of people who still thought that boost was breaking mp you know <laughs> right <laughs> Um, yeah but but i i I did feel like boost jump and all those mechanics we were adding were totally awesome you know like i felt like as a consumer like bringing all these new things in to mp was like a game changer (laughs) um and it was gonna be awesome like i had faith in it in the end product so, um, and maybe because I prototyped boost jump, I was like a little more attached to it. Right. Um, so I was excited. I, I wish that we had jumped on to it earlier, but, um, pun intended but, or no? Yeah. <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a tough transition because all of a sudden when we turned it on, the player could get everywhere in the map. Um, they could go, you know, on every roof and, mm-hmm. And shoot people from place from places that they couldn't see, um, which is a really like it's it ups the frustration level. So, so then it was just a matter of like, okay, how do we start to minimize where the player can go with boost? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so yeah. as a designer, um, 
it was pretty amazing that you guys were able to rehaul it to make it work for Boost because I felt like Defender yeah. was one of the better levels that utilized Boost. And yeah. it felt really natural. Like, how long was that adaptation period? And uh, what kind of changes specifically? Mm. Like, is it yeah. vertical blockage uh, of areas or right. uh, things like that? Yeah. Um, I can't remember, like, how long we had, but it wasn't very long. Um, there was, like, an internal demo that was happening, and they kept saying, like, wait on the changes, the geo changes for Boost mm. Jump. Wait on them, wait on them, because they needed the build to be strong for this internal demo. Right. And so we were waiting and waiting. And then um, finally we kind of got the go ahead to like put our changes in. And me and the artist had been like already riffing off of it. Like we had been working locally and waiting to check in kind of deal. Right. Um, so as soon as it went live, we kind of, maybe we were a little over aggressive and it scared our director <laughs> Um, because he was like, oh my gosh, you guys changed so much, right? Mm. And it was a scary thing. It's risky to change the layout of an MP map so drastically after we've done focus testing and all this stuff. So, um, so, but we, we just kind of like stayed strong and, <laughs> um, and, and pushed for our changes. I can't remember how long it was. I want to say like a couple weeks um, you know, it was kind of crazy. Like we didn't have a lot of time. It's like we had a ton of time before boost jump came on and then boost jump came on and I was like, Oh, we need to be done with this level already. You yeah. Know? yeah. So, um, we, the way we changed it was we made things taller. Um, especially that center building. Um, yeah. we added a bunch of debris on roofs, like on the edges of the map so that you couldn't go, you know, out of the map or whatever. Um, Defender, we let the player go a lot of places, like on the roofs. Um, But pretty much the only tool we had in our artistic tool set, and this is working with the artist because, you know, all I wanted to do was just make things taller and put a block in, right? But he, he came up with the fiction of like, okay, trees are tall, let's put a bunch of bushes and trees to block this, or we can put a fence, you know, like a chain link fence that's in front of the trees. Um, And then, uh, and then it was a huge commitment on the art artistic side to revamp that building to be taller. I mean, they, they pretty much had to re-art the level two times. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, they had, it was a lot of burden on the artists. Um, that's, I mean, that's the general rule when design changes late, it's hardest on the artist. Um, (laughs) yes, I like that rhyme. It's hardest on the artist. (laughs) Your your box that you double in size. We got to figure out what that is Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and put windows on them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I was lucky that I it was so collaborative with the artist that he was on board with everything because, you know, he felt the sense of ownership just like I did mm, to right. make the best map possible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I have a couple of questions from uh, Twitch. Twitch and I'm going to go ahead and ask you. Um, so we have a question here uh, asking if someone, is it recommended to do standalone projects or just make levels for existing games? Mm. So mm. like, like your own game and uh, all the stuff sure. that hasn't been done before versus an extension of Fear or an extension of Bioshock in that world. 
Or I would say given the time frame that you have, probably an extension is smarter. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't really know, you know, I don't really know how easy or hard the tools are now to use. Um, and I don't know if starting from scratch is maybe easier, you know. Mm-hmm. But but both will show will show your design skill, you yeah. know. My worry is starting from scratch will never get done. Mm. Uh, so. Speaking of tools, uh, does it matter what type of engine I'm using to design levels? Like Gray Engine, know. Unreal, nothing? Mm-mm. I mean, there are certain engines I think that are design friendly. And like CryEngine is not very design friendly. Right. So I would probably not use that one. <laughs> um, but it's artist friendly. Mm, right. Yeah. Uh, another question is: Should uh, so uh, this question is about changing in design direction. So does that happen often, or does it depend on which studio you work at? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably both. Um, <laughs> uh. It t- it's pretty rare that a designer is right the first time. Right. I like I feel like I made an extra effort to do that and I never really saw other designers doing that. <laughs> so, um except for Larry, of course. Right. Yeah, thank um, you. Thank you. I was waiting for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go around the table on this one. Um, yeah, I I think um yeah, I think design changes a lot, and it's just the nature mm. of the industry. Yeah, uh, I'll say, I guess in my experience, I will also say, yes, it definitely depends on the studio. It depends on the budget and resources that your project has available uh, and time as well. Uh, yeah, you're going to get to a point where it's like time says we're set in stone and we're shipping the turd. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because what can you do? Um but what I'll say is the best metaphor I have is think of design as like whittling where you have the block of wood or sculpting and you're like, okay, I have this idea that I want to turn this piece of wood into and you start making your cuts and then you're like, oh, this is a little too big on this side. So then you start cutting that down or, you know, like usually the changes that you have or that you make are smaller than giving up the wood and then redoing it, right? Like Rosie, how many times do you just like scrap the whole level and just start over? When yeah. you know what I mean, versus like, okay, right. I have this good idea. I'm just going to refine it until I get to the core experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but sometimes you do throw out the wood and you, you got yeah. to start over. So. Yeah. I mean, it's a little of both. I think, yeah. I mean, we'll get to retreat, but retreat was like a dream, mm-hmm. a dream yeah. uh, process. Right. <laughs> um, Defender was probably the complete opposite of that. Like we did, we did, redid so much work in Defender and it was just cause it was the first map, you know, and time wise, we, we weren't sure what we were doing yet. How, how many times estimate wise did you have to re- redo things? Um, I would say there was three major three redos okay. on and it. And those, those were, uh, in addition, and, how much does it add every time you do that process? Yeah, well, okay, so I'd say there's three redos and two of those involved art redoing. Um, And um, the first redo didn't take that long because it was just design. Like, I just made a 3D map. That was when we had the S shape, and then I was like, scrap this. We're going to three 
three lane straight normal. Um, and then when art has to redo, gosh, I don't know. I, I, I mean, sadly we try to crunch that out in less time than it really should be. So it's not really an accurate time estimate, but I want to say like a month, (laughs) which is not enough time for an artist. Yeah. He probably lost two years of his life. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That one month. But they usually, when that happens, they usually just pile a bunch of artists on it and split the work and try to just get it done, you know? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of talking about changes, I feel like every time you work in a big team, it's like playing telephone. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you would start with a single vision mm-hmm. and to utilize Larry's uh, metaphor, everyone's touching your clay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's going to look <laughs> a lot different by the end of it because everyone has their own take on things. Twitch so. plays yeah. level design. <laughs> add a wall. No, add a door. No, add a bomb. No, add enemies. Add two enemies. Yeah, it becomes a Picasso design. Uh, that I, isn't I, as great. I do think that we were lucky on MP, on Call of Duty, on Advanced Warfare that we had a small group. So the telephone was kind of minimum or, you know, minimized. Um, it was usually just a designer and artist on it for a long time. So the communication didn't break down, you know. But, yeah, it can happen. And I, I think the job of the designer half the time is just making sure everyone's on the same page. So before moving on retreat, I'm going to wrap up this this level. Um, I'm going to say what are the top three lessons you learned from it or in what mm-hmm. – what are your t- three top warnings to yourself? <laughs> it's kind of like the same question, but you know, if you were to redo it again, uh, what were the well, highlights and what were the, the ones that okay. gave you trouble? Um, so number one was collaborate with your artist. I, I don't, before I worked on that level, I never realized how creative artists can be design wise, design wise, oh. you know, um, I mean, maybe it was just that particular artist I was working with, but I did feel like he had a good design sense and and collaboration actually enhanced the design, you know? Um, so that's my number one. Number two um, is don't be afraid to... Don't be afraid of change. Uh, like, embrace it. Because pretty much it's not in your control. You know, it's usually someone higher up that wants the change. And um, all you can do is embrace it and make the best out of it. You know, don't fight it. (laughs) Um, And then the third lesson would be that until your gameplay, like your player mechanics are fully defined, Mm -hmm. your geo is not defined. <laughs> like, yeah. um, if your if your player mechanics change, your geo is gonna have to change. Period. Um, so yeah, I think it's like the equivalent of at least for an artist, as far as I can understand, you spend all that time doodling on your piece of paper, and then someone comes over and just rips it in front of you, <laughs> <laughs> and then you gotta try again. I think that's they just like the process. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This just half of the drawing is scribble. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah. All right. Okay. 
right, I mean, Blair, do you have any questions for Defender? No, no. I, I'm anxious to move on to the next one because I know okay. that this is the good one since it's the dream project. I'm like, okay, I need to hear what this is all about. <laughs> I, I thought that that never existed, <laughs> that there's the dream. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, yeah, so. Okay, yeah. Well, I can talk about Retreat. Um, so the reason it was a dream is we had all our player mechanics defined. Mm. Um, and I had, I had an artist to work with and I had no top level direction. Mm. <laughs> so I was in complete creative control. Um, well not, I wouldn't say no, no direction, but it was very like, do your thing and then I'll look at it instead of like, do this, you That's know? Right. So, um, yeah, that, that made it dreamy. Um, mostly having the player mechanic and and having the experience of defender and some other maps that got cut mm. um it made me know what to do mm. like right away mm. um so yeah well when you were generating your ideas for you know retreat did you find that you were working in 2D or were you just so competent in 3D mm-hmm. that you were just starting in 3D that's a question I get a lot, so I figured I want your take. Okay, yeah. Well, to be perfectly honest with Retreat, I didn't do any 2D. Okay. <laughs> I went straight for the 3D. Um, the reason is I started off with making prefabs of the buildings, mm. and then I decided to do it in a way that I could just easily move those buildings around. Um, and I kind of – I had it in I, – I guess I had a rough sketch – before I went in of like how I wanted the buildings versus the lanes, mm. but it was so rough. Like it was just basically, I don't know. It wasn't that thought out. So, um, it was just like, I know I want this building here and these lanes here. And then once I got into the map, um, I did, I think I did one major change, but it was before I ever got to the artist. So, um, so, yeah, and I was at that point, I was kind of quick to make the change. So mm-hmm. I I knew after the first or second play test that I needed to change it. So mm-hmm. and because I had learned to collaborate with the artist, I um, I did collaborate with the old artist, actually, mm-hmm. before, like, finishing for the, the new artist. So mm-hmm. I said, hey, uh, the, so the artist I had on Defender, we worked so well together that I was like, hey. Um, can I show the, show you this idea I have? Um, and can I get your input? And then based on what he said, I made that one change and then, and then it was go time. Mm. So, yeah. So overall, I think I spent, so I started prototyping that map while I was working on another map. Um, just kind of like playing around with the theme and getting kind of the spacing right with boost jump. Um, and so I had played around with it for maybe a month, like as on a, on the side. And then when it was approved to make it a real map, I only spent two weeks getting it ready for the artist. Okay. Um, and I didn't need more than that. Like I actually got it completely ready for the artist. Okay. The only thing that changed once he got it was I added some spawn areas on the outskirts of the map. Um, and he was down for that. Like he, you know, it wasn't a crazy change. It was like, Oh, you're actually helping me define these areas more. That's right. So, 
Well, yeah. um, it sounds like you sometimes will run into these little like micro deadlines where it's like, oh shoot, two weeks to get this ready for the artist or, you know, yeah. or like maybe you need a new map or a redo of your whole design, like you said in Defender. Do you have any tips or suggestions for, hey, like here are ways that you can save time as a designer when you're doing, you know, design work? Like you said, prefab buildings. I imagine if you had buildings that were prefabs, you could like design an area a lot faster than if you had to build it yourself, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it really came down to being comfortable with the engine and okay. like utilizing its its time saving techniques, you okay. know. Okay. Um, so we used um, Radiant, which is like based off the old Quake engine. And it's uh, it even though it's super old and archaic, it's really good for design. Mm -hmm. It's fast to iterate. Um, so we were lucky there. I, I would think I would say that if I was using Unreal, it would have taken me twice as long. Oh, wow. OK. Um, but that's just partly because. Partly because of the familiarity with it, but also I just think it takes longer in Unreal um, to get, you know, the, the BSP done. Okay. So, um, I don't know. That's my personal opinion. Right. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I, I um, think there's some uh, sense to that. I mean, like, people think bigger programs with more options are always better. Yeah. And in some cases, you just have three buttons that tells you what to do and you drag and drop. <laughs> Which mm -hmm. Radiant, which is the program that we use for Call of Duty, is awesome at. They're great at detailing three buttons. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. If you were to race Unreal 4 and Radiant in building lighting, Unreal 4 would smoke Radiant. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Art-wise, there is no contest. It's Unreal all the way. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to... Uh, segue some questions in here. We got, had quite a few since the last time we asked. Okay. Uh, all right. So I'm going to ask about, let me see here. Give me one second. So, uh, there's a question about QA, right? Is that still relevant from QA and getting to level design mm -hmm. and how closely do they work together? If any. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, so there's different types of QA. There's, um, like, what they call like alpha testers, I think, which is like people who actually work with the dev team. And then there's beta testing, which is usually like in a, a different building and there's like hundreds of you <laughs> and, um, and you don't really interact with devs at all. Right. Right. Um, and a lot of times those are even outsourced to other countries. So like, we call them yeah. the others. The others. <laughs> um, and I might be wrong about alpha and beta, but anyway, you get the idea. Um, so, yeah, the de like the QA that works with the dev, usually there's not very many of them in my experience. There's, um, I mean, I've worked at companies where the budget's kind of small for QA, internal. They call it internal QA. Um, so sometimes there's only like 10 of you, you know, right. sometimes less. Um so because I came from QA and a lot of designers I know did come from QA, we tend to be pretty close to the Q QA. Um, just like culturally, you get yeah. you get each other, you know. Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, but also um, designers depend on QA a lot because we can't we can't especially in MP where there's so many different systems that can have combinations to cause a bug. Um, that you can't, you can't test everything. Like you really just can't. 
So we depended on in MP we depended on QA tremendously to to find bugs. Um, so that said, I would say that not a lot of QA that you know, just being in QA isn't going to give you the skill set you need to become a designer. Mm-hmm. So like you have to you have to try to get out of just like game testing and get into tools testing. Um, if you can test the tools, then you're basically um, making levels for fun, you know, and um, and learning the tools, which is what what you really need to make the transition. Right. Um, it's very rare that just like a game tester will go from game to um, to design unless they have like re- a really strong portfolio or you know, just like basically if they're as strong as someone coming out of school, you know, right. anyone could come go straight into design from school too. Also, so yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, do you recommend if I'm a student and yeah. I want to be a level designer? Yeah. Uh, either me doing QA while I'm going to school, and uh, mm. or uh, going to QA after I graduate as my first step into the game. I would. Um, I mean, if you can handle school and work at the same time, definitely do QA. It's a great experience. Um, I like, especially, you know, internal game testing, uh, developing that rapport with developers and understanding kind of how it works and, and being there is really valuable. Um, and then when you graduate, um, you know, try, I think now, nowadays, (laughs) nowadays you can, you're getting an education in game design. So you can probably go straight from college into into design. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's crazy anymore. But when I was, when I was first starting, it was crazy. Like there weren't a lot of designers that just got hired out of school. Um, most of them came from QA and, or like specifically tools QA. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I know of QA that tested, um, tested a game and was, like they did come from game QA and it, and the reason was that they hired him on to do um like tuning of of um like NPCs and things like that that were kind of like it was like game design tuning and right. they figured QA would be good at that because they they had a lot of experience you know with the game right so that's that's one way too is like you get an in somehow that way so yeah, after school though, I mean, I don't I think now you could probably go straight in and if you can't, then then try QA. Okay. Uh I also have a question. This is kind of on a side note. There's a fan of Dead Space. Uh he just wanted to ask about the pacing. Uh how important was it uh when designing a level for Dead Space and what design choices did the team make to help create pacing? So, um that's a really good question. Uh pacing was so important in that game. Um, I think the designers really pushed for that. Um, so we did a lot of, um, we, we did a lot of internal play tests and not like, not with groups, not with big groups. It was with like the directors and we had a room that was dark 
and moody, you know, mm-hmm. and we had really awesome audio and a giant TV and we would all sit in the room and get in into the game, you know, like really get into it. Right. And um and for me as like someone new, I I it was super value valuable, valuable <laughs> for me to um to test every single change I made by playing through a whole level if that makes sense so like if i made a little change where i like add a zombie in this room or necromorph um i Uh would (laughs) i would play through that whole section like that whole checkpoint i'd play through the whole thing and really feel out the pacing if that makes sense um like i wouldn't just go in and be like oh it works okay i'm done i'd be (laughs) like Okay, it works, but does it work with everything else? Yeah. So. Okay. That's professionalism right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one other question is, how important is blueprinting or coding on a level that you're working? Um, is that part of your repertoire as a level designer to understand how to piece things together and code? Yeah. Um, so for me, I... I started off um, doing visual scripting. Um, I It's not really, I don't even know how to explain it. It wasn't like Kismet at all. It was, um, it was like nodes in the map in 3D. <laughs> um, and it was like input output messaging. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it was a, called broadcast messaging. So a message would get sent and everything would hear it. And so right. you had to do like, I'm only listening for this message. And anyway, um, so for me, I've done both. I've always had to do both. Right. Um, when I went to Treyarch, for, I worked on Black Ops 2 for a month. They do things differently. So they definitely had a separation between like an artist, like a, not, not just an artist, but like a, a map designer. Level <laughs> and, builder. Yeah. Level builder. They call them builders and scripters. Okay. And, um, and they, they were both considered designers, but only one of them knew how to script if that I makes see. sense. So they, they separated it like that, but I've never since then, I mean, I've never experienced that anywhere else. Okay. So, yeah. So it's very common for the designer to understand how both. to piece things together again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and design the level. Yeah. And by both, I mean, like, I'll do a block world art wise, but I won't art it up. Like, right. I won't make it pretty. And then I know, I know. Script- Whoa. Getting some uh, weird feedback. Yeah. <laughs> I know scripting, but I don't know, like, code. I don't know engine coding, you know. So it's kind of like I've always just kind of been in this weird, like, I kind of can do everything, but I do it crappily. (laughs) Still good. (laughs) Uh, So there is a question on retreat specifically. So with retreat, uh, the theme is clearly, I think, Korean, right? Was that given to you before? And uh, and the shape of the building is really odd. Like, is that... Did that affect your design at all, or was it part yeah. of your design? It was okay. Yeah. So um, the location came on later. Um, initially, um, initially my theme, like my theme idea, was kind of vague. Um, 
I started off with wanting it to feel kind of like an alien planet, like biodomes, mm-hmm. um, or like, um, like a, um, like a, I think the initial, initial theme was, um, it was going to be like, like a fake biodome, you know, right. where it's like on earth imitating what it would be like on another planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then gradually, oh, and then I found some art reference online for um, project. Maybe I shouldn't mention it because it might be a copyright issue. Right. But um, yeah, I found some cool concept art online, and I I decided to change the shape to be more kind of like that rounded edges '60s kind of like curves, mm. you know. Um, and so I had mocked it up. Those, those buildings were round in my initial design. And then once the artist got a hold of it, he kind of made it even more like all the buildings were kind of rounded edges. And right. we, we kind of developed this art style based off that. I see. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. All right. So this is probably a question for, for both of you. Um, if I'm a level designer, should I focus on making single-player levels, multiplayer levels, or both? What should I do? If I'm just trying to be a level designer, what are my best chances? Uh, do you want to go first, Larry? Sure. So, to be honest, I would say, what do you want to do? Because I actually enjoy single-player and multiplayer, but at different times in my career, I was focusing on one or the other. My design career started in multiplayer because I was making maps for Unreal Tournament. You know, um, professionally, I've done way more single player work. And then there was a time where I had an opportunity to do some multiplayer. So if I was getting started, I would say to myself, well, what do I want to get paid to do? Which one do I love more? Do I want to do my single player levels? If so, make a nice portfolio showcasing my single player work. If I want to do multiplayer, then make and release a couple of badass multiplayer levels. I will say the advantage of doing multiplayer stuff is you can probably get it made, polished, and out into the world a lot faster than some of the things that you could do at that same level of quality for a single-player experience. You know what I mean? So that's my personal opinion. But I think even if you were a college student or just trying to get into the industry, if you did focus on multiplayer, you probably have a really good shot of splitting and going either way in your interview because they're not really going to expect you to have player mechanics or like an engineer to help you make AI and all these other things that you would expect to see in a single player experience. So they can get a great sense of your design skill from a multiplayer level, but then offer you those additional resources if they were trying to hire you to be a single player designer. So that's, that's my two cents. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Um, I would add that um, if you do, if you do decide to go the multiplayer route, the scripting part of that is basically system scripting. It's not going to be, it's not going to be like scripted moments, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so scripting wise, there's a bigger difference I think between the two and then single player, everything's kind of more like I walk through, well, this is how my experience was on dead spaces. I walk through this door and this happens and <laughs> you know, so. Right. So, uh, one last question before we continue and, kind of close up on retreat. Uh, from your experience in MP Call of Duty, uh, do you kind of have like a like a set of rules that you go by, do's and don'ts, things that you've done before that you 
trust every time you design a level? Like, yeah, um, anything like that? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this could be a whole thing in itself, a whole interview. But um, just real quick, I would say um, we we kind of learned that we learned the hard way that three lanes it, it plays better. Um, like three straight lanes, kind of like simple. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, field of view and like what the player sees is number one because everyone hates getting shot from somewhere they can't see mm-hmm. or that's number two. Um, <laughs> uh, and then cover placement, like message. It's not just cover placement isn't just this detail you add in without thought. Like it needs to actually message to the player where the, where they should stand for combat Mm -hmm. because, um, because players can be anywhere. You have to kind of give them a hint as to where you expect them to play, you know, expect them to have a, have a quarrel. So, um, yeah, I would say those, those are kind of my top three when I'm designing like things I think about is, oh, and having, um, having the map be simple enough to be memorable, but complex enough to be, want to be replayed. Right. Um, there's kind of a balance in there and, and simple can be, sometimes it really just has, has to do with what the player can see of the other lanes when they're in a lane. So like knowing how to get from where you're, where you are to where you want to be has, has mostly to do with what you can see, you know, like, um, so it helps to have like a tall building in the map that you can see from everywhere or, um, or the, even the Vista, like the non-playable space, having that be memorable. So, you know, okay, I'm on this side of the map. Because um, competitive-wise, multiplayer maps tend to play, be more competitive and more balanced when they're um, when it's uh, symmetrical. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, but if you just like mirrored your map, you'd get lost super easily and be like, "What side am I on?" Right, right. So, yeah. Um, so, like having they call it a weenie. <laughs> what? What is it called? Why is it called that? Don't ask me why it's called that. But it's called a ween, like something in the map that you can see from everywhere. <laughs> I'm gonna ask Larry. Is this a universal thing? I feel yeah. like someone just totally punked you. <laughs> hey, Larry, you ever heard of the weenie in level design? The weenie? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> the weenie. Yeah. Well, she says it's very important. <laughs> I think she's joshing us, man. The the weenie, huh? Maybe I got joshed. Yeah, uh, by mean, cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's called a weenie, babe. Dude, Josh is, of course, her husband. Oh, yeah. man. So, no, I, yeah, no. I, I'm unfamiliar with that term. Do you know about, like, a beacon? Like um, like, like, like a, an, an informational blink or some sort of point of reference? <laughs> yeah, point of reference. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, like uh, a tall, tall tower or something that you can see from everywhere. So that's the weenie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. A Twitch audience <laughs> so that was, says that was literal. <laughs> well, Twitch audience says it's called a weenie because it's wagging a hot dog in front of a uh, a dog. It's from Walt Disney and Park Design, mm. and the dog follows the hot dog. 
There we go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. That, College student that for was the not, win. That was not in any of my books, and I'm glad. You guys should interview this guy. The <laughs> uh, no, Nikki. That makes sense. All right. All right. So going back to retreat. Uh, so this was your dream level where you had the most control. You it were, was just smooth. Yeah. Right. Was it? Is this a like a, a very? Um, it, it, is it a familiar thing to have near the end of the the game cycle where all your tools are in place, the game is figured out, where it gets smoother? It's the first and maybe the only time I've experienced it. <laughs> so it's a lightning in a bottle. Yeah. I mean, I think it was two things. It was because it was late and we just had to pump it out quick. Um, but also it was because um, – we didn't have a lot of scrutiny on it. Like we, we did what we wanted and it just somehow everyone was okay with it. (laughs) Like a lot of the time when I, when we do that and like go off and do our own thing, people aren't okay with it. So yeah. It's a fun level. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm not gonna, Larry, you might want to plug your ears. No dude, I'm sorry, Rosie. I'm not okay with you putting weenies in every level. (laughs) Let's just, Let's just call a spade a spade. Yeah. <laughs> Can't do it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Rosie, I, I enjoyed, like, we, we do a lot of playtesting, and I enjoyed most of your levels. Like, m- most of the Call of Duty levels were yours, I meant. <laughs> I sounded wrong. <laughs> I have found that I tend to be a favorite amongst artists. Mm, interesting. And I don't know why that is, but um, I think it's. it's- it's because I care about them. Yeah. <laughs> like, you didn't just place a box like some other guy over here. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. And then oh, just I have say no it's idea like what he's mom. talking about. I don't do that. No, no. Larry's really <laughs> conscientious for the artist. But I feel like that's partly the reason why. You, you, you Playing through your level, it makes sense, like, as a location, and it yeah. plays well. And half the time, like, if the scenery looks right, I, I already know the level. Uh, just by you know, the context of my experience of how an area like that would work. Yeah, um, I'll say that with retreat, there was um, a conscious effort to make things um, like I changed the design for art a lot where I thought, OK, you know what? Um, well, not only for art, but just like for making sense of it being a real place. Like I remember thinking like, oh, it doesn't make sense to have this little this like restaurant area be in the center lane because in real life you'd want to see a view while you eat, you know. Right, right. So, we changed that, you know, we changed what lane certain things were in um uh fictionally, but it didn't really it didn't really have to change the the layout that much to be like, okay, you know, it changed it a little bit, so I did have to go back and change some things. But, but I felt like those changes were important to the map, you know, um, okay. to the memorability of it. Right, right, right. Yeah. So we're uh, about an hour in, and so <laughs> me as an artist, and this is a design uh, episode for Call of Duty. I'm going to ask both of you guys. Um, so I'm a student, or I just graduated, and I want to make a single-player Call of Duty level and a multiplayer Call of Duty level. How should I begin? And what are the things I need to keep in mind to make it look like something that a Call of Duty studio would actually care about? Jesus. So, see who starts. Hey, this is crazy. This ain't, 
This isn't easy you know for what? me to either, man. I'm <laughs> not kidding. Uh, well, I can say this. So the last time I think the Call of Duty Universe released public modifiable tools was World at War. Am I right or am I wrong? But I remember, I, I think one of those like older Call of Duties on PC, you can actually open up the editor and make your own levels with it. I believe it was World at War. I think it, is that Call of Duty 4? I think so, Call of Duty 4. Yeah. Uh, so that one on came, PC. On PC. It came, came with an editor. Tools. Yeah. I also heard a rumor that Black Ops 3 on PC, I think in another month or so, is going to also come with an editor. And so if I were a student in looking to make Call of Duty stuff, I would get my hands on Call of Duty assets. And I would use their editor, I would use their lighting, I would use their enemies, their AI, because that's the way you're going to get the closest feel, right? Like the underlying systems and mechanics already exist in that engine, in that editor. And then I'm making my own experience with their tool set. Uh, look into it, guys, if you are serious about you know, learning how to make your own Call of Duty levels. Get Black Ops 3 for PC. I think it's coming out in a month or so. I'm not 100% sure. Don't sign me to this. But I remember following stories that PC version of Black Ops 3 was going to come with an editor and tools. So that's how I would do it. I would just straight up circumvent any other way. I would just go directly to the source and make my own level with their stuff. Because imagine how much time it's going to take for you to make an environment, make a level, and then try to build AI that makes it feel like Call of Duty, and then try to build lighting. And like, forget it, man. Uh, just pay attention to the things that you would expect a Call of Duty level to have, like you know, great combat, ways in, ways out. You know, uh, somewhat smart but easy to handle enemies. Uh, you know, some some great fight distances and not too many sight lines that cover clear across a map, so that a sniper rifle is the most dominant thing in the world. And you should be all right. I don't know. You, uh, <laughs> Rosie has way more experience than I have in making Call of Duty levels, so she's probably better suited to handle that. But that would have been my strategy. Get Call of Duty tools and use tools that they make themselves to make the game. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. I would get the, I think it is World at War, mm. or I don't know. It's Call of Duty 4, okay. and get it on Steam, get it on PC. It comes with the tools, hopefully. Mm. <laughs> and and it's then... pretty up to date too, right? <laughs> um it's gonna be really like ugly and hard to work with for you probably after working with something nice you know but but design wise um i think the bsp is super easy to build whoa did i just freeze okay um so yeah i would get the old get the old one personally i don't know i don't know maybe black ops 3 will be complete but i kind of heard it's like like more of a modding thing. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Um, so either one, whatever, get it. And then um, for MP, uh, I mean, personally, I always enjoyed doing map building over system scripting. I did system scripting, but I preferred map building just because it's so like pop, you know, like when you talk to someone and you say, I did this map, that's going to ring way more they're gonna think you're cooler than if it's like oh yeah i built this system womp, womp. <laughs> um i i don't know i always love that people you know talk about maps with mp a lot so um yeah build a map three lanes um it won't have boost jump but it doesn't matter because you know it doesn't it really doesn't matter like uh design skill for MP is more about sight lines and and having good flow to the map and um and those types of things. And then for single player, 
uh totally different design like map de- design wise it would be more like a one street rather than three lanes and then maybe some side buildings that you could go into and um it can be way more scripted and exploding helicopters and um you know guys getting out of trucks and shooting you and big combat and using your environment to get an edge on the the combat um so and maybe like some central location you need to with the need to get to with like a turret or something you know mm-hmm. um but yeah that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i think the old old tools are cool all right uh first of all thank you rosie for thank joining you, rosie. us thank you guys uh, and for having educating me. everyone on how to make awesome maps really thoroughly enjoy all your maps that you made uh we have a lot more questions that we have time for again rosie is available through gamesgoonline.com please reserve her if you want personal guidance and awesome wisdom thrown at you without larry and i in the room <laughs> as yeah. a start. instead of one hour of her time being spread amongst 15 different questions it's one hour of her time you know with your questions just you yeah. look, looking at your homework giving one on suggestions one on one yeah. Yeah. Awesome. A personal schedule that yeah. you know you can work together and make it happen. Rosie, we're gonna hand the mic over to you uh to say whatever you want or nothing at all. <laughs> whatever it is, your choice. Plug away. Wow. Um boy. I always fail at these plugging <laughs> things, but uh yeah, definitely I wanna plug game school online slash Rosie Reed or whatever. Rosie Cats now. Um, however you can get to me through there, <laughs> um, that would be awesome. Um, I'm starting to teach a class this summer, hopefully, um, at Cogswell College oh, in, nice. they, they're in San Jose. So, um, yeah, sign up for classes at Cogswell College and you can have me as your teacher. Ooh. There you go. Yeah. All right. All right. So Larry. Do the closing statement, and we're good. You mean the one where, like, I say, I have the mic first, and I'm talking with Larry. I'm out. Hey, this is Brandon Pam. Thank you for joining us. I'll see you guys. (laughs) This is Rosie. Oh, bye. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This is Rosie. There we go. All right, see you guys.